Ride With Us, presented by Ace, the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Welcome to Ride With Us, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. Around the globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Clint Novak. And I'm Chris Roberry, and welcome to the Ride With Us podcast. Clint, how's it going? Oh, man, it is uh, nice and warm. Uh, we got parks that are starting to open up. I'm excited. I am, too, and this is going to be a great episode for folks who want to get pumped about the upcoming summer season. Do you? What do you think the first roller coaster is that you're going to ride this year? Honestly, it's probably going to be a wacky worm. <laughs> you're just not going to be able to wait. You're going to have to find a wacky worm somewhere. Oh, a man, wacky well, worm, or let's even go a step lower. How about one of those SPF Visa spinners? I, I have a feeling that I'm going to crack down and end up going to, like, Ocean City, Maryland, or something uh, before, you know, like, King's Dominion or one of the big parks open up. I'm going to end up out there, uh, and I'll, I'll ride some coasters on the boardwalk. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited that places are starting to open up, and uh, really it, things are feeling like they're kind of starting to wind down and kind of getting back to normal. So stay safe, social distancing. Keep it up, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep this norm going. So, Fingers crossed, for sure. Yes. Uh, we have a great episode that we're going to be talking about uh, Roller Coaster Appreciation Month. Also, uh, we will be talking about CoasterCon, giving you a preview of CoasterCon at home. We'll also get to know another coaster family, the Guerrero family. And we'll sit down with Tom Rebbe, the president of the Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, and we'll get the, all the juicy details, huh? It's really a fascinating interview. You're going to want to stick around for that. And uh, first, we've got the Ace Event Rundown. Let's do it! Woo! Now, some parks are starting to reopen, Clint, and there might be a temptation to do a large event at maybe one of your local parks. But with capacity restrictions and, let's be honest, the news changing every single day, it's actually pretty difficult to hold a special event at a park right now. It actually could end up hurting the very parks that we want to help support. So, while we can't be together in person, several ACE regions are holding recurring virtual events online, including ACE SoCal and their Trivia Night, and ACE Mid-Atlantic having their Zoom Meetup, which I was a participant of, and it was awesome. Yeah, you kind of, uh, you kind of, uh, what was the, what was the term? Uh, you crashed our uh, our uh, zo- our, our Meetup because uh, you aren't part of the Mid-Atlantic, sir. But, uh, but no, we are good. one ace family. It, we are. And it was actually, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'd love to do trivia night, too. That sounds great, too. But uh, we got together. Uh, there's a ton of people. We, we didn't even have a screen big enough. We had to have, like, two two screens with people on it. And we just talked. That's it. We just we just talked about stuff and uh, and, and talked to each other. And uh, that's really what, the, what the, the coaster community, to me, is all about. It's not riding roller coasters. It's not necessarily going to the parks. But it's who you go into the parks with and the people you're riding with is what really makes it a great experience. And so uh, we do have more of those coming up. So you have to make sure to check out the Facebook page. Absolutely. It felt like we were just all hanging out in a park waiting in line for a ride to open. It was just like old times, really. Awesome. And for the uh, latest up to date on your region or national events, all you have to do is check us out online at aceonline.org. That'll have all the official events coming up and hopefully uh, going into uh, summer and into the fall, we'll be able to uh, start cranking those events back up. 
Certainly also check out our official national and regional social media pages as well for events that might be online or in person near you. All right. Well, June is the World Roller Coaster Appreciation Month, and it is going to be all month long. Plus, we have the Ace Coaster Con at home, and we've got some details on all of that. Of course, with the uh, Roller Coaster Appreciation Month, we want you guys to use those hashtags. Hashtag Ride with Ace, Ace and hashtag Share Your Memories. We want to use those. We're going to be giving out prizes and stuff to people who do, so make sure you use both of those uh, while you're in the month of June chatting about roller coasters. Uh, Con, very exciting. Obviously, we don't get to go to the parks that we wanted to go to uh, for Coaster Con, but we have a great virtual way to experience Con that's going to be open to uh, the general public, and it's going to be closed to some members depending on the uh, the itinerary. And we got some cool things coming up. I'm excited because uh, me and you are hosting the uh, the informal uh, meetup on Sunday night, the uh, the welcome ceremony, so to speak, right? Yeah, we're, we we might want to get started on that. <laughs> oh, we can't just wing that? I thought it was, oh, okay, we got to plan something. All right. Yeah, uh, we might have planned just a little bit. <laughs> but no, there's a lot of interesting things that you're going to be able to do right from your house as we go through the whole week of uh, CoasterCon live from home. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, the cool part is that while we're going to be broadcasting it out to everybody, so even if you're not an ACE member and you're listening to this, you can tune in and see what CoasterCon is all about. Just a little bit of it. Anywhere from the trivia contest to scavenger hunts inside the parks, albeit virtually, and even some premieres of some films and some behind-the-scenes footage that nobody has ever seen before. It's really going to be exciting. And if you're an ACE member, you can participate on that next level by attending the business meeting, listening to some of the elected officials give their platform speeches, it's really going to be a lot of fun and honestly, a great replacement, really, for not being able to have CoasterCon in person. When the, when a candidate gives a speech uh, for uh, why they should be in that particular role, do any of them say like longer lunch hours, more recesses, less math? Not quite, no. but you might get the occasional more ERT. Every every day more is food. pizza day. <laughs> yes, every day is pizza day. Uh, it actually it's pretty cool to see how everybody has an idea of how to run the organization, and that's one of the cool parts of being an ACE member is you can take an active role in participating in it. You don't just have to sit idly by. You can vote on ideas. You can bring new ideas to the table. And uh, when you feel like you uh, want to try it on, you can certainly run for office. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna do a, a quick uh, a quick rundown right here. Uh, Chris, you're yes. running for the president of ACE. What is the one thing you're gonna bring to the members of ACE? You know, is it gonna be more ERT? What's your What's your platform message? Less stand up coasters. Sorry. <laughs> Does, does the ace president have control over that? I didn't I'm know saying that. that they do. Holy I'm just saying that they do. Less stand up coach. You know, we're just, yep. the, ladies and gentlemen, if I am elected president, all of the stand up coasters will be. I, wait a minute. No, hold on. Preservation of coasters. That that can't work. That can't no. work, is it? No, no. Exactly. So, uh, no, that, of course, we're being facetious. We're being funny here. But in all seriousness, <laughs> that is something that you can certainly do. Is not necessarily decide what rides live and die, but certainly where the organization is going and you can help steer it in that direction. 
And that really, I think, separates the organization from others online. Yep, uh, definitely. So, uh, and having it uh, be that open, everybody gets a vote. That's uh, that's what makes it uh, makes it work well. So, uh, you know, if you don't like the way it's run, then you get to uh, choose which direction it goes. So, uh, it's kind of like uh, you know the way uh, the way uh, you know politics works because that's kinda oh, well, that's a third rail. We can <laughs> nope. We are not touching that. Oh, sorry, rail. sorry. The, wait a minute. Is there that. an electoral college for for Ace? No, thank. There is not an do electoral people, college for Ace. Do people no. in Ohio get less of a vote because there's more of them? You know, I would think they get more because there's more coasters there. But no, it is very much just uh, one person, one vote. Doesn't matter where you live. Awesome. Yep. So uh, we we definitely got off tangent. I didn't even get to talk about my platform, but I can't beat no stand up coasters. I I can't beat that. I was going to say better options uh, for food during events, but uh, even that's hard. So, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what direction you go? So. Uh, but yeah, all, all joking aside, uh, you know, it's going to be a great event. Uh, I can't really, I can't wait to be, uh, really a part of it and be able to, uh, bring CoasterCon to your home, uh, with everybody else. So I'm just a small part of it. I think I'm right now I'm just scheduled for Sunday night for one hour. So there's, uh, definitely people behind the scenes who are doing a lot more, uh, work to make this a possibility. Chris is waving over through the webcam. He has his, (laughs) okay. We have to talk about the documentary a little bit, right? Because I mean, you guys just hit a big milestone with the the uh, Arrow documentary. Yes, in fact, we just hit five hundred thousand views. So thank you to everybody who's been watching it, sharing it, liking it, commenting on it. And as a thank you for that, we are going to premiere the entire documentary team a commentary track on the documentary. So you can just tune in for that premiere. Uh, you can watch it live with us. We'll be chatting with you throughout the whole thing. It's going to be a lot of fun and a, really a great way to interact with everyone who's either watch the film or wants to learn a little bit more about it. And trust me, there are a lot of stories that we haven't been able to tell yet that we finally get to. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. So that is uh, CoasterCon And of course, uh, June, the world roller coaster appreciation month. Uh, that is the month of June. So we hope you guys can participate with us. Well, Clint, they say that the family that rides together stays together. So ACE member Andrew Locke sat down with the Guerrero family to find out what drives their love of the thrill and of each other. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew, one of the uh, contributing producers for the ACE Ride With Us podcast. And I'm here today with the uh, next installment of our Coasters Run in the Family segment. And who am I talking to today? I'm Nicholas Guerrero, and this is my brother. I'm Harrison Guerrero. Hi, Nicholas. Hi, Harrison. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. So um, let's see here. So you guys are brothers and uh, it sounds like you have something else in common as well. Yes, we're brothers and we love riding roller coasters and going to amusement and theme parks. Absolutely. Awesome. That's great. That's great. How long have you guys been doing that? Since I can remember, we've been going to Disney World and then from there it's just grown as we've gotten older. So I'd say essentially since I was five and he was newborn because we're five years apart. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Nicholas, you're five years older. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, uh, how long have you been a part of ACE? I have been with ACE for about 10, 15 years. I had a lapse recently where I had my son and different things like that, but I just recently joined back thanks to actually meeting you, Andrew. And Great. I, I just joined back with them and 
I got my roller coaster magazine issue in the mail the other day and was like a little kid again when I used to get them 10, 15 years ago. Nice. That's that's awesome. I love hearing that. Uh, certainly, you know, of course, this was not really related to the podcast or related more to our kind of one-on-one friendship that I remember you kind of got back into ACE. But it's still great, you know, whether on a personal basis or on a, on a larger basis. Certainly, the ACE Ride With Us podcast, one of our missions is to increase our outreach and just improve ACE and get more people involved, get people finding out about it, et cetera. So I love hearing that. That's great. So uh, what inspired you to join ACE? Since I was little, I've always loved roller coasters. I'd always been fascinated by them. I could stand and watch a roller coaster go for hours and just enjoy the art of it and how the train moves throughout the tracks and all those different things. So once I found out about Ace, it was kind of a cool community. I saw somebody, I think it was Six Flags Great America at the time, wearing one of the shirts. I asked them what that was. They told me all about it, and I was hooked ever since. Interesting. Interesting. That's very cool. So you said you like like riding roller coasters. So do you have a science or engineering background? Like, you know, is that kind of like you were into kind of how mechanics of how things work even growing up? Um, I wanted to do that, but I am horrible at math. So that, and I think you can say the same thing. So that wasn't meant to be. I can definitely appreciate it, but I do appreciate the engineering and, and I'm fascinated by it. Got it. Got it. I'm a big fan of the themes with the roller coasters. I actually did a speech in fifth grade, I believe, where I wanted to be a Disney Imagineer, but that didn't turn the way I wanted. But I, I've loved roller coasters as long as he has. So Harris, and actually for both of you guys, you guys have you seen Disney Plus yet? Have you subscribed to it yet? I have not subscribed to it yet, but I've heard great things about it, especially the new Star Wars series. We do have it, yes. Um, okay. We got it with our Verizon, but I'm, we're going to pick it up as soon as that's over. Yeah, it's so inexpensive. So, now, Nicholas, you've you also worked for, I think, what, Disney and Universal, right? Number Correct. Have you seen the new Imagineering story on Disney Plus, the miniseries? I know all about it. I have not been able to watch it yet, but it is definitely in my queue. No pun Okay. Yet. <laughs> okay, so I, I, so Harrison, Nicholas, I know you guys are uh, together because you're not normally near each other where you live. For the holidays, you're here together. If you can, even if it's on a phone, but if you can project it to a TV, do yourselves a favor, start watching that show uh, while you're here together for the holidays. You know, other members of the family, this series is unbelievably produced. Dusty and I, we've just been captivated by it. We've already finished the series. It's six episodes for the first season. Uh, You're going to be blown away by the interviews, by the level of footage, by the quality of the production. Harrison, if you wanted to be an Imagineer and kind of like the concept of it, and Nicholas, know how much you love this for our discussions, check it out. You'll, You'll be amazed by it. Let's move on here. What have you found that you love about ACE after joining, you know, over the years, any kind of events and experiences, people you've met, et cetera? What's been great for you about ACE? The simple things is I just love getting the magazine and reading that and seeing all the new pictures and all the articles and different things like that, all the way to just talking with members like yourself or going to the park and seeing a fellow member with a shirt on, having a discussion, building a friendship with them. I've only been to two ACE events, but they were fantastic. I have two lifelong friends from them. Uh, One of them was in my wedding. It's just a great community and a great way to build on things and being around people that enjoy the same thing you do. You know, Andrew, we've talked about our Porsche stuff. It's the same thing. Go to a Porsche event and being around the same people that love what you love. It's it's a great time and, and it's a great community. 
Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy about how we, you and I have connected here is there's a number of friends that I have because of ACE, because of being a coaster enthusiast, theme park enthusiast, et cetera, where we don't necessarily just talk about theme parks. I have a couple of friends like that, but we primarily talk about theme parks. We go to the theme parks together. One of my closest friends here in Florida, he's really into cars. And then, of course, yourself, you're not just into cars, you're into Porsche, which is the big marquee that I'm into. And I'm not sure at this point if you and I have spent more time talking about Porsche or about roller coasters and theme parks, which is cool. That's great. So obviously what we're talking about today is besides just coasters and, and Ace itself is is family and how family relates to, to this for, for you guys. So are there other family members that take part in, the, in your coastering and your coaster pursuits or is it just the two of you? No, it's definitely a family affair. My mom does not partake in roller coasters. She doesn't like roller coasters, airplanes, uh, elevators, things like that. But she loves going to the theme parks. She loves people watching, loves eating the funnel cakes and watching us on the roller coasters and all those different things and gets off and goes, I don't know how you rode that crazy thing and all that. So she enjoys her aspect of it. My dad's the same way. He'll come with us on the roller coasters where Harrison and I'll do them on a loop, you know, yeah. we'll ride it 15 times in a row, but my dad will do the once and then tap out and sit with my mom, but he appreciates them as well. You know, you want to add anything, Harrison? Or? Yeah, we've traveled pretty much all across the country, mainly just to visit theme parks. And I really feel like it's one of the main things me and my brother have in common. We just have such a great time. And my mom's favorite ride, I always joke, is the bench next to the, the big roller coaster. And she always takes videos of us and stuff. So it's always been a great time. Okay, got it, got it. So really, it's the two of you that are the core core coaster people in the family. Okay, whether it be anything you want to share here, how has being a member of ACE made a difference for you guys and your family? And I realize, Harrison, you're not an ACE member, but Nicholas, you are. But Harrison, you went to to an ACE event with Nicholas, or you heard about it, or you know maybe there's some some secondary way, but... Uh, how has being an ACE member affected at least you, Nicholas, or perhaps both of you guys? Uh, I brought it up a little bit earlier that um, I met a couple of my best friends through ACE. And I'd quickly add you, Andrew, to that list. We're quickly becoming fast friends. And that that right there paid for the membership itself, just being able to talk to fellow members. And Harrison actually did come with me to an event once. Our, I, my whole family was there at Kennywood. I don't remember what year it was several years back we had a, an event there and he'd always been fascinated by steel phantom and obviously that was defunct and phantom's revenge came out so we went there to ride that and he finally got to ride that it was a great time that we got to share with with friends and and as a family of brothers that's outstanding i you know i've been to a number of ace events over the years but perhaps the most profound thing that ace has done for me in a similar way just kind of made me think about it with what you were saying there nicholas is two and a half years ago, I was at, it was not a formal ACE event. It was the opening of Electric Eel, a uh, new premier coaster, Skyrocket 2, at SeaWorld San Diego. It was right before I left San Diego to move here to Florida. I went there by myself. I don't really know many other ACE members, at least there in Southern California at the time. I know several now. So I went there, and it was for the opening, and ACE was asked to bring in people for media day to ride the trains, fill the trains. And so we got to marathon the ride, so super fun in that way. And I had been on Skyrocket 2s before. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can ride those all day. So I was there talking to people, and I went up really getting to know and spending some time even after the media day was over walking around the park enjoying some rides with uh, david who's the founder of coaster challenge and that is how our friendship started we met that day 
and we've talked all the time since have joined each other at parks all over the country and so it was really because of ace that he and i met so i completely understand how you know you can think about how profound it is and how important it is that ace has helped you know foster friendships and relationships and so forth so i completely relate and that's really awesome that you've had that experience yourself in terms of ace events i know you've been to a couple you said what is your best memory of an ace event I'd still have to go back to that one going with my family to Kennywood. My brother and I grew up watching. They had those roller coaster adventure DVDs, and they came oh, yeah. with the 3D glasses. Or actually, they were VHS at the time. We grew up <laughs> watching those and um, seeing all the cool stuff. And he had talked about, I know he wanted to go on Phantom and Volcano the Blast Coaster and several different coasters just from watching those movies. And Phantom's Revenge just happened to be the first one we could go on. And just being able to see his excitement through that, because normally that's me. I'm the one who's excited and, you know, planning these trips out. And and he's kind of tagging along and, and is excited about him, too. Just seeing him getting to see that in person. You know, it's like meeting your favorite celebrity or something in person. You're, like, blown away and you can't wait to ride it and see it. And, and that was a really cool moment. So would you say that that trip to Kennywood is really what, for you as brothers, really equalized you or really put you on the same playing field as being really excited about going and riding coasters together. It wasn't just more Nicholas you in the driver's seat. Yeah, that definitely stepped it up because, like I said, I didn't know his fascination so much, you know, because when we were younger, you know, with our age difference being five years, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Right. Uh, so there's a big gap there. And and so there's a lot of things we have in common. There's a lot of things we don't have in common. And coasters and theme parks are the big thing that we had in common. So when we went there, I was able to see myself in a way, you know, because re I react that way to going to coasters. First time I go to Cedar Point or different things like that, uh, you know, I look at something like a, a Millennium Force or a Magnum XL 200, and I'm blown away because I've only seen all these things on TV. And, you know, he doing that in front of me was was really, I think, what took it to the next level. And because we've always both been Disney freaks, but, yeah. you know, going to Six Flags or these, you know, other amusement parks really stepped up, I would say, that day for sure. Excellent. That's fantastic. You know, one of the things about going to Ace events that I've enjoyed is, and this is not necessarily just true about the coaster community or theme parks, but, you know, certainly, you know, there can be a little bit of a, a negative connotation, not necessarily well-founded, where people that are in our families or friends that are not enthusiasts, and they look at us and think we're nuts, think we're crazy, <laughs> yeah. and like, you're obsessed with roller coasters? What's wrong with you? The fact that they say you're obsessed is part of the problem. So, you know, at an ACE event, at a park, you know, at a park, of course, you know, you're going to have people that are enjoying things there. But again, even though they're there and enjoying the rides doesn't mean that they're an enthusiast. At an ACE event, though, you're pretty much surrounded by enthusiasts. That's great that you two could kind of take your relationship as brothers, kind of enjoy the parks to the next level and really kind of find that uh, commonality. That That's great. That's awesome. We've taken a couple trips ourselves, even. My parents, they were fixing up their house in Florida. They just wanted us to leave that project to them and let them handle it. So, you know, we went to Six Flags Great Adventure together. We have been to Six Flags Great America several times together because we used to live up by Chicago, Kentucky Kingdom, several parks together. And, and that's really... We probably would have never done anything else if it wasn't for ACE and, and events of the amusement and theme park industry to do that stuff together. Because like I mentioned, you know, we're, we got that odd range of five years being apart and there's not a lot of commonality there. So that was really good bonding and really 
a great family experience being able to go on those road trips together. That's fantastic. Uh, one of the main missions of ACE is preservation of coasters, certainly, and that's something that's been publicized quite a bit. You see that in the, in the, in the magazines and the, the stories on the website, etc. But really another thing, and perhaps even bigger than the preservation that ACE is about, is about encouraging people to enjoy roller coasters and make it a part of their lives in a very positive way and integrate that into their relationship, friendships, family, etc. I love hearing that indirectly ACE brought you guys together just as I was talking about earlier, indirectly, Ace brought me to a great friendship that I've enjoyed to this day. Fantastic. Actually, this next question, I think, lends itself well to our conversation, given the things you guys have already talked about here and how Ace made a difference for you. So Want to put your, uh, you know, your imagination caps on for a moment and think, how would your lives be different if you weren't riding roller coasters together, if you didn't have that one thing shared with each other? I really feel like we wouldn't bond it as brothers, not as much. We grew up, I think the first thing that, besides those DVDs that uh, we had in common, was playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. I loved it so much, and then I would try to build Six Flags Great America and uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, and it's been going to the parks and everything with my brother. It just really brought us together and really solidified our brotherhood and friendship. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we would be as close, because... We, we don't have as much in common. He likes different things than I do, which that's not a bad thing. We're still very close, but it's because of things like roller coasters where, you know, he's not as big of a car person as I am, but he tries to at least get into it and he makes and distributes music and things like that. And that's not a huge thing that I'm into, but I'm, I try and, and bond with him over that. But the roller coaster thing really connected us. So I don't think we would have as strong of a family bond or a brotherly bond as we would if it wasn't for roller coasters and all the traditions we have. I mean, we either go to Disney World or Dollywood every year, no matter what. And on top of that, we go to other parks usually too. You know, we'll fit in something else depending on where we want to go in the country, but we at least go to one of those two parks. And that's just a great tradition that brings not only us together but our whole family that's great just thinking as you guys are answering this question one thing that's great about parks and coasters and being an enthusiast as part of that is if you think about it you know in the modern world there's a lot of things you know compared to when i was growing up 20 30 years ago where today a lot of the, the activities that people pursue are inherently solo antisocial, whether it be social media, you know, of course, you're just by yourself on your glued to your phone, you could be involved with the people that are around you that right then and there at that time, video games, all the crazy movies and TV shows that we have these days that have just exploded with the selection that we have. And, you know, people don't even go to movie theaters so much anymore. They just want to stay at their in their homes by themselves, just with a couple people watching everything on their big screen TVs. But if you think about it, theme parks, really enjoy them and, and actually ride the rides and do the coasters and, and smell the cotton candy and all the food and, and enjoy that as well, you have to be in the parks. While I've been to parks by myself, going to park solo is certainly a thing. I was actually just listened to a podcast talking about being a solo visitor to Walt Disney World and how amazing that is, which I've done. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's very much a social activity as well. A lot of people, we do a lot of times go to parks together and enjoy things together. What do you think of that coaster? You know, What was your favorite ride today? And all that kind of stuff. And just encourages talking. So um, that's one thing that is great about Ace and about uh, being a coaster enthusiast, theme park enthusiast, is it's really a social activity and you do a lot of walking as well so yeah you have that junk food perhaps but you get a lot of exercise and I, I get more steps in being at a theme park 10 plus miles a day oftentimes than being anywhere else 
you guys have obviously been on a number of trips together. You mentioned different parks. How do you guys coast your family? You know, what's your style? You guys kind of, are you planners? Once you're at the parks, you go crazy and you're kind of like micro-analyzing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This is going to be interesting. So like, like I said, are you planners? Do you micro kind of analyze the app and what the wait times are? Do you have like you, when you're in the car on the way to the park, you already have like, we're going to do this first, then this, then this, and deciding together. How does this all work? How do the logistics come down? Well, essentially, this is where he's laughing because I am a freak about this. Yes, um, he is. <laughs> I, I am the Clark Griswold of the family. And uh, as soon as I get the green light or know we're going somewhere, I'm I'm all out. I, I need to know, okay, we're going to rank these coasters in order. This is the one that's probably going to have the longest line or, you know, this is the ride capacity of this one. So it's going to have a long line. So we need to go there or whatever it may be. I really take it to the next level. The only time where we didn't plan, and this factors into another one of your questions about a crazy coaster trip, was when we went out to California and went to Magic Mountain. To me, it was like, okay, Cedar Point's number one and Magic Mountain's number two because they were always in those coaster wars back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. And um, so we finally got to go there. And I'll get in more detail later when we talk about that question. But that was the only trip I did not plan and oh. it was kind of crazy. <laughs> and this is where him and I have a lifelong joke now because of it, is we ran right to X because we had seen it on the videos, heard all about it. That was the ride to go on. And never watched any of the POV videos or any of that stuff, any off-ride videos. And normally I do that just because I love watching the construction updates and things. But neither of us had, had watched it. And we get on it, and we're the second ride of the day. And I don't know if you've ever been on it, Andrew, but... We, oh, I've been on it many times. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you ascend out of the out of the gate and you're going up the lift hill and you're backwards laying on your back. <laughs> yep. And we're we're just, like, freaking out. We're like, okay... Are we about are, to go down this backwards? Yeah, or... <laughs> yeah. we're trying to figure out how this is going to work. I knew it rotated, but I didn't know anything about it. And we go down that first little hill and then flip over... And then from there, you know, it was the time was of our great. life. Yeah, it but it was just a little joke that we always have now that we bring up almost every time we see each other. It's like, all right, well, this is scary, but not going up the lift hill of X scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. So you have that kind of level to measure things by. You know what? I love that. I, for many years, lived in California. Many of those years were in Southern California, but also sometimes in, in the Bay Area as well. I, it, both parts of, of California, Central and Southern two times in my life. Now I'm here in Florida. I grew up in New Jersey. So I've been in areas, you know, with the Great Adventure in New Jersey, you know, Magic Mountain, Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Universal, et cetera, there in Southern California, and then the parks in Central California. And now here in Florida, you know, I'm an hour outside of Orlando, the theme park capital of the world. I've had great fortune to live near some major, major parks. And you mentioned X. Well, I was one of the pass holders doing X with, and I brought a friend of mine, back in, what was it, early 2002, I believe. I mean, riding it back in the early 2000s, I mean, we have, you know, crazy coasters. They've got wing coasters, all these launch coasters. But back in the early 2000s, coasters were 20 years less in technology. And there's been a lot of technological advances since then. But there had never been anything like X. Part of why it was named what it was is it was the experimental coaster. It had not been built before anywhere in the world. And it is a crazy, crazy ride. Like you said, riding up... The, the lift hill backwards and you flip over and face down. I mean, if you think about it, 
Uh, and you got to love Alan Shilkey, one of the greatest coaster designers in the history of mankind. At the, there at Arrow, they're, they're really their last coaster they ever did. He kind of designed that ride. If you think about it, it was kind of like the haunted mansion of, of coasters because he basically with those second set of rails could face you exactly how we wanted to face you during that ride. So, yeah, of course, during the drop, he's going to make sure that he's facing you downwards because that would be the most thrilling. And to this day, that is one of the most amazing drops on any coaster I've been on. So, yeah, I can imagine you guys using that as a way to measure things against. That's outstanding. I love that. That's great. (laughs) Okay, so next question I'd like to ask is, Tell us about your coaster adventures, any kind of highlights you'd like to talk about, about, you know, trips you've taken and things like that uh, to ride coasters. Well, our highlight every year for sure is, is Dollywood, just because that's a family event. We, we get one of the Dollywood cabins and we've watched that park grow like no other. We used to go there when there were two ticket booths to get into the parking lot. And now they have a water park, a hotel. I think it's seven or eight now lanes to get into the extended parking lot. And that's been kind of cool. You know, we were there before Tennessee Tornado was built. And that was a great aero coaster we got to go on together. And, uh, you know, now we've been able to see everything that's been built and go there. So that was kind of fun. And is there anything, you know, like New Jersey or anything you wanted to talk about? Like I was saying, I think some of the best trips for me personally were Six Flags Great America up in Chicago. And I personally feel like I saw that part grow. I haven't been there in a couple of years, but I definitely want to get there soon and see all the new coasters. A couple of my favorite rides are from there. I could relate to that because I've been to many of the Six Flags parks here in the U.S., but I had never been to Great America before, and I was traveling there for work a couple of years ago and was there actually during Fright Fest. So this is 2017, October, and I knew it was kind of a top-tier Six Flags park with one of the most number of coasters up there, like, say, with Magic Mountain and The Great Adventure. But I was blown away. That park is fun. I love the layout. Great coasters. Some very unique ones, like the Wizard, even. You know, like very unique Schwarzkopf. And, yeah, so I can understand. You guys have mentioned Great America multiple times, and I totally get it. It's an outstanding park. Definitely sticks out. Okay, so, Nicholas, you alluded to this earlier. So I'm very curious to hear the story, especially since it sounds like it involves perhaps Magic Mountain, some other, maybe some other SoCal parks. So what is the craziest coaster trip you've taken and, you know, why was it crazy? And tell me about it. Well, our trip out to California was the craziest. I'd say the first time we went to Magic Mountain, it was going to be the whole family. Um, I mentioned a little earlier, my mom's not the biggest fan of flying and different things like that. So usually we drive everywhere, but California was just a little too long, so she wanted to give flying another chance. It had been a while. We check in. We get on the plane. We literally sit down, pick our seats. They even closed the door. Yeah. they. And this was pre-9-11, so this was a little easier to handle than it would be now. But my mom just was like, nope, <laughs> this isn't happening. And she got up and ran off the plane. And my brother and dad and I just look at each other and we're just like, uh-oh. Yeah. What, <laughs> what like, do we do here? Yeah. And she's like, stay, just stay, go on the trip. I'll stay home, you know. But we're just like, do we get on the off the plane? Do we stay on the plane? Like, it was a really weird start to the trip. And we're just like, okay. And my dad went after her, and she just insisted we go. So we went. It ended up being a little guy's trip, just me, Harrison, and my dad. And we get to Magic Mountain because of how excited we were. We got there an hour early because we did the math wrong on the – this is a little embarrassing, but on the, you know, the time change. But – Hey, we were the first ones at the gate there at Wally World. There was no moose there telling us it was closed. But 
we were there and it was it was 100 plus degrees it was hot you know halfway through the day i felt like i needed a wardrobe change but it was hot but we ran to x and that's where the story picked up where the day just started like that we were the second ride and from there our adrenaline was just going crazy and we just bopped around and ended our day with viper but we we got everything done in the one day except one side of Superman, which I still haven't been on. But Andrew, you can understand, you know, that's still credit. And uh, I didn't get yeah, to go it on it. But <laughs> that just means that we have to go back. But just the whole way that that trip started with my mom jumping off the plane and then us trying to figure out what we're going to do and then hopping on X the next morning, it just it ended up being a crazy start, but a, a fantastic trip. And it'll be one we'll never forget. But, you know, we went to... Magic Mountain, we went to Knott's, and I think it was called Scandia or something like that. It was a very small park out there. Yeah, I think I've heard of that one, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it was just a fun trip after that, and came home, and luckily my mom was okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's interesting, how that, especially how that started. So, yeah. yeah, Magic Mountain was my home park for many years, starting back in the early 2000s, then I moved away. And then moved back to Southern California in about 2013. And so it kind of became my home park again for a number of years. So I, I'd been all, all the rides there over most of that time coming back. But I was there in uh, 2017. Again, had been on all the rides at that point. There was uh, the newest one at that point, I think it was Full Throttle. And so I just kind of, uh, you know how, you know, whether it be with coasters or other things in life, you kind of set these little goals for yourself, these crazy little missions. So I guess this is the Magic Mountain equivalent of the, uh, God, there's that Disney ride challenge, you know, whether it be at Disneyland or Disney World, to ride all the rides in one day. And it's like, you know, I think it's like 54 rides at Disneyland and like 48 or so, something like that at, at Disney World. Well, this is sort of the mini version of that. I, I decided I'm going to get on every single coaster at Magic Mountain. The, the, it wasn't that busy that day. It was during the week. And I got on every single one except for the the one kitty coaster that an adult can't go on. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's Roadrunner Express or it might be one of the others. But yeah, I was doing the social media thing, posting and you know my mission, and as I was going through the day, posting each coaster as it was going on it. But yeah, that's uh, I mean Magic Mountain is is absolutely insane. Uh, like Cedar Point, like its Midwest counterpart, just the number of coasters there. Uh, I've, I've traveled all over the world, but I've not seen that level of intensity with the of coasters and the variety of coasters quite like those parks so that's i can imagine that california trip was pretty crazy so speaking of crazy my last main question here is if you can think about what is the craziest thing you've done to get on a coaster to ride a coaster um could be something that was crazy that happened in the park or it could be like a crazy thing where you drove like a long distance just to get on a single coaster anything like that for you I have a couple. The one that comes to mind for for me thinking about you is I think it was the first time we went to Cedar Point Millennium Force. You the dash. You, you literally sprinted, and the rest of the family was trying to catch up. Wait, Nick, we you know we want to go with you, but he was on a mission to get there. Yeah, that was back when they did those runs to Millennium Force, and I'm like, I gotta partake in this. We went there and did that. Knocking and, down people over like yeah. a linebacker. <laughs> I'm not a small guy, but I, I was moving that day. And I think the hardest thing for me, though, was having to run past Raptor, because that's my favorite coaster of all time. They opened that early. I had to get there before the wait time got up to four or five hours like it was when it first opened. All right. Well, I think that's all I had. Anything, kind of last words, anything you guys wanted to add? I just want to say... 
bringing up the whole theme of this ace thing it's just kind of cool right now just you know the three of us that we're even doing this it's because of ace it's because of roller coasters and theme parks and and things like that and to me that's just it's really cool cool aspect of not only life but how just a club and things like that can bring you together and then ace does a fantastic job of that awesome awesome harrison anything from you well, I just want to say I will be your newest member after this. Uh, you guys have definitely convinced me Ace is a great company, and you guys just do everything so well, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. Awesome. That's great. I, if this podcast, if we're just with this segment today, adding another member, that's outstanding. And when we get this edited and get this uh, onto a future episode in probably a couple months here, hopefully we'll get some other people that will be able to uh, relate and identify other other families and things like that and encourage them to join the uh, ACE movement. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much to Andrew Locke and the Guerrero family for our segment, Coaster Families. If you are a Coaster family and you want to be featured in an upcoming episode of Coaster Families, you can email us at podcast at aceonline.org. All right. uh, Okay. I think it's finally time. Uh, Tom is in the green room right now, standing by to come in studio uh, his rider had things like specific flavor of Dippin' Dots that had to be in there, uh, funnel cake that had uh, different layers of different toppings, but it had to be specific. Like cherry had to be on the bottom and strawberry had to be on top. And that's the kind of level we go to to have rock stars like Tom come on our show. Tom is definitely a rock star in the amusement industry, but I don't know if he necessarily went for the green M&M's and the Dippin' Dots. But do you know what? <laughs> To each their own, whatever we can do to get folks on the podcast, we are happy to accommodate you. Now, in all seriousness, however, Tom Reppy is the president and owner of Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, a company that is really historic in the industry, been around for over 100 years. And odds are, if you've been on a wooden roller coaster, you have been riding on Tom's trains. You may not have even realized it. Anything from the 1900s all the way up to the 2020s. So we were really thrilled to be able to sit down with him. And if anyone knows or has had an opportunity to speak with him before, you know Tom loves to talk. And we were more than happy to hit that record button. Here's what happened. Well, everybody, I am very honored today to be speaking with Tom Rebbe. He is the owner, president, and CEO of Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, Inc. Tom, how are you doing today? I are good. Living through the nightmare like everybody else in the world. <laughs> For those who might not know, what exactly is PTC and, and what do you do? PTC is Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, Inc. We build wooden roller coaster cars, brake systems, safety systems. We still supply parts to carousels, flat rides, crazy daisies, whatever we've done that's still out there, we still generate parts for. But pretty much we're roller coasters. And this is a company that goes way back, right? Started in 1902 as the Philadelphia Carousel Company, then changed its name to Philadelphia Toboggan Company. Then in 1991, when I bought the company from my boss, changed the name to Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, Inc. Now, is it true that you are still IAPA member number 001? Yes, that's very true. Wow, that is just amazing to think that here's a, a company that has been around for well over a century now, and it's still doing the same thing, helping out amusement parks. That really is cool. Yeah, that's one of the 
cool things about being involved in this industry. I've been here 43 years, and I've owned it just a little over 30 years. But the one thing I'm very proud about is the fact that we're continually exhibiting at the IAPA show, and we hold position number one. And what, what I never came really realized it until years ago when I got on one of the IAPA committees, which is with the booth selection committee. And I told them, I said, I have nothing to gain by getting on this, being on this committee, because no matter what choice I put down, I'm number one. So I get it. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to get on this thing and say, okay, now I want to weasel my way up into a, a better position in front of somebody else. So uh, we don't weasel. We just move forward. Hate weasel. <laughs> so you were talking about that you bought the company in the early 90s. How did you become involved with PTC? I started here in September, 7, September 19th, 1977. And I only came here until I found a better job. And I'm still under that premise. So... <laughs> If I find one, I'm gone. You know. <laughs> no, I, I applied for the job because I was working at a local tile factory and I hated going home crummy dirty every night. And it, it just didn't, it wasn't enjoyment. I didn't want to make a lifetime of that. So I sitting at the firehouse on, on a Monday night before drill complaining about how much I hated my job. And one of the guys said to me, well, you ought to come work where I do. And he says, they're going to hire somebody in the coaster department. I'm like, you build skee-ball machines and pinball machines or something you do. And he says, yeah, but we have other parts of the company. So next day I went and I walked in, met the general manager, applied for the, took the application home, brought it back the next day, gave it to him. He says, all right, we'll be in touch. So the following Tuesday, I stopped back in and said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm still interested in the job. And he said, yeah, okay, we'll call you. And I said, thank you very much. And I left, came back the following week, and he says, uh, we haven't made a decision. We'll call you. So this went on for about six weeks. Oh, wow. And he finally said, you just don't get the idea that we'll call you uh, type of thing. And I said, well, I just want to let you know I'm really interested in the job. I love putting things together. So... I skipped the next week I, I like, and I had to drive right past Toboggan on my way home. I was like, we come out of the driveway of the tile company and there's Toboggan. So I get home, I get home and I, as I'm opening up the front door of my apartment, I heard a phone ring and I have a full face motorcycle helmet on and I run in, grab the phone, pick the phone up. I go, uh, hang on please. And I get my helmet off and I'm like, Hello, how can I help you? And uh, Tom, it's Mike Flanagan, Philadelphia Bog, and um, everything okay? So yeah. And he goes, ah, great. He said, uh, you want to start tomorrow? I said, well, <laughs> no, actually, I'd I'd like to you know be able to give a week's notice to my other job. And he said, all right, how about next Monday? And I said, that's great. So went in the next day to work and uh, told my shop foreman, I said. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm done this Friday. I'm not gonna be here after that. And he said, "Well, we'd like at least two weeks' notice." I said, "Okay, then in two weeks you're gonna notice I'm not here." <laughs> and I know a lot of comics use that line, but honest to God, I just, you know that's what I said to him. And they, they got all their feathers ruffled and everything. And so my last day was Friday. I started on the on Monday morning and 
whatever they gave me, I took on. Nine months later, I became shop foreman of the coaster department over a guy who had been there for 10 years, and he was not happy about that. So I had that to deal with. And uh, I learned on the fly. I was like, whatever, you know, whatever they said, we need you to do this. Got it. I'll get it done. You know, I'll get this done. I'll get that, you know, inventory, whatever, you know, telling them what kind of materials I needed. And just one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm going out to amusement parks, doing troubleshooting, helping oversee installation and training of the coaster trains to the amusement park. You know, I did whatever they had. I was asked of my old boss, Sam Hyde, and then it got to the point where I was general manager and they, his wife and him would say, okay, we're, um, here's a stack of checks. Sam signed them all. And bills come in, figure out which one's got to be paid. Here's checks that we want you to, you know, pay the bills with. And uh, the payroll stuff, just call it in and the check, paychecks will come. Okay. So I did that. And I can remember typing out checks. I wouldn't handwrite them because going to Catholic school and public school, that really messes your handwriting up a lot. But I would sit there in this typewriter typing away, and I didn't really know how to type. I just looked for the letters, and hey, they, all right, they fell here, and I just did what they asked me to. And uh, they would go away for six weeks, eight weeks at a time over to Europe, come back, and then one day Sam just comes in and says, I'm tired. I want to retire. I want to play with my grandkids. I want to build my antique cars. We want to go to car shows and travel in our motorhome, and I want to sell you the company, or I'm just going to close it, put it out of business. You already sold Ski Ball off uh, about five years, six years earlier, and they had moved out of the building. And I, I was like, wow, this is uh, that opportunity knocking thing my mom always told me about growing up, and I've never had this kind of knocking so loud inside my head that. Maybe I should do something about it. So Sam said, you know, go home, talk to your wife, you know, let me know. So I don't have to. I'm going to make this work. First thing I did, went to a friend that had a small business of sporting goods and talked to him. And he said, you need a good tax attorney. Sent me to his guy. And uh, this guy has been 31 years. He's been my tax attorney. And uh, I have an accountant who he's just phenomenal keeps me on the toes because I really don't understand all these ins and outs and numbers and everything else. And I've been watching uh, on Netflix, Ozark. If you haven't seen it and you want to watch something really wild, watch it. And sometimes I wonder, if, you know, like I know the accountant's good. I know the attorney's good, but it really makes you wonder. It's like, Hmm, do people really do this kind of stuff? <laughs> Am I in part of this? You know, it might be funneled through, but I don't think so. So long as PTC doesn't start bringing in tigers, I think you're going to be just fine. I watched every one of those. My wife and I, we, 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 after the third one, it became like, we're going to watch another? That's, you know, it's, only, it's only quarter to 12 at night. Let's watch another. It's a weekend. <laughs> Sleep late. It so, became addicting. But I'll tell you one thing. After and dur- during and after every episode, you just feel so good about yourself and your life is not that bad and you know like holy crap who does that stuff you know i've always wondered why things go viral and it's usually just timing 
This one is, I think the, you're absolutely right that Tiger King just came at the absolute right moment to make everybody else feel a whole lot better in a time when nobody wants to feel good. So, man, you're absolutely right. We're working things out here. We're doing pretty good. We're doing, you know, we're in limbo. The place is quiet. It's dark. And I, I come in every day and I walk the building. Sometimes I walk it four, five, six times just just to walk around and think of, you know, and I'll walk a different direction. I'll, I don't take the same path through the building. It's 46,000 square feet of empty people right now. And I hate that, but we're having a good year. We're going to get through this and we got an SBA loan and I'm going to get my people back up and on schedule as soon as we're told we're to go. You know, it's just, one of those things where you're not happy. I'm not happy about it, but I drive home and I think about, wow, I'm getting three weeks to the gallon. So this is, this is fun. Yeah. And then they go home and you sit down and you start binge watching Tiger King and you're going, wow, I, I have all my teeth. Um, I don't have a mullet. Um, so I'm, a, I'm doing pretty good. You don't have a mullet yet, but if they keep the hairdressers and everything closed, we might be able to see that. I got uh, seven weeks without a haircut. Apparently, it's slowed down for some reason. I don't know why, but I, I don't like it this long. And... I tried myself to do my. I did my own. That's why I get so. Yeah, thanks. And um, <laughs> I had to choose which hair to cut. But I just did uh, sort of shave down the sides a little bit because they were driving me nuts. So eventually, I'm gonna look like that Billy Zane character in Titanic. You know, the one that shoved everybody off the lifeboat. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> What sparked your interest in mechanical engineering? Was it a lifelong thing or did it come as a result of working with PTC? I'm not a mechanical engineer. I have a police science degree. This was not my dream to work for this guy. Like I said, I came here until I found a better job. And that better job was I was going to be a cop. I went through the Pennsylvania State Police Academy. I got hired into a police department. I worked... 7 to 3.30 at Philadelphia Toboggan, got home, showered, changed up, and was on duty at 4 o'clock. Now, that was, that was, those days were like, wow, got to move fast. Be on duty till 4 to 12, get home, sleep, repeat. Then they would switch our shifts around. Then I would come home, sleep in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night, get up, work at midnight to, to 7 shift, and then... Uh, back in toboggan and there were some tough times where you know i wanted to retire at 45 and you know have the house paid for didn't think we were ever going to have children and we were going to go to colorado and work part-time jobs out there in the, in the winter time and be able to ski but then this baby came along and changed our life and uh, put a put a hold on for retiring 45 that would have been 20 years ago, but anyways, I'm glad she came along. She, she knows how to do this technical stuff, and she's not quite as good as I am skiing, <laughs> but she's getting closer. Every year, I slow down a little more. You know, I don't do 52 miles an hour. My wife yelled at me the last time I did that, and so I'm backing down a little bit. I'm only doing... And I'm still getting yelled at for doing 41 miles an hour without a car around me. But she's right there behind me, and you know I can blame her because I tell Penny that you know she's chasing me. She's trying to push me off a cliff 
because she wants to take over the company. You know? So speaking of that, that you're talking about your daughter, Janine, uh, who's also in the room with you there. PTC really is a, a family affair, right? How did she become involved in the company? She told me since she was in third grade, she came out of, uh, I picked her up at school one day, she climbed in the car and she said, dad, I want to be a kindergarten teacher and kept that all the way through. She went to college and she is a certified K through six teacher and couldn't find a job in that realm of K through six because they wanted them to, no, 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 we just started senior high. Well, a couple of her roommates started at senior high and they, they hated it because uh, apparently children in senior high aren't as willing to listen as kindergartners are. <laughs> so Janine said, well, you know, she was wondering what she was going to do when she graduated or I was wondering what she was going to do after she graduated college. And I said, well, you know, while you're applying for jobs, come work for me. I got plenty of stuff. It's not like you're going to be working, you know, daddy's got the princess in and she's going to just sit and file her nails all day. And you're going to come in, you're going to work, you're going to learn stuff. And almost, what is it, going 10 years now? There she is. Still here with me. She's learned a lot. There's still more to go. But she's comfortable with clients. She's comfortable with the staff. And you take on just about anything I ask of her. Sound a little familiar? And I tell people, when, or whenever we meet somebody new and they say, well, Janine, what kind of work do you do? Her response is, everything Tom doesn't want to do. <laughs> so like setting up Zoom meetings and uh, <laughs> yeah, website yeah, exactly. work and yeah, video exactly. work. So <laughs> speaking yeah, then, of... you know, for me to set this Zoom up, if she wasn't here, you know, a monkey with a tennis racket can make this thing work better. I could have beaten on it. <laughs> I think we're all kind of slowly figuring it out together. So that's kind of the, the fun part of that. <laughs> you are legendary in the amusement industry for your stories. Can you tell us just your absolute favorite story from the amusement industry that you're allowed to say? I wasn't aware of that. I just, you know, I, I don't make stories up. It's life and it's what happened to me and, Sometimes my life is too weird for color TV and it just goes on. So I can tell you a person, you want me to tell you a personal one of my favorite stories? Sure. Or you, or you want me to tell you something that, I mean, it, it was back when I was just shop foreman. Mike Boodley worked for me. He came, came to work. He was willing to drive from Trenton, New Jersey to Lansdale, PA, 50 some miles every day because he wanted to get in the amusement business. And just for those who may not know, Mike Bootley is one of the founders of Great Coasters International, worked uh, extensively on bringing the Millennium Flyer trains to life. Correct. So Mike used to work for me. We built coaster cars and we became pretty good friends and you know, not just like boss employee relationship. And he said, well, I'm going to take a trip. Want to go? Do you want to go with me? I'm going to go across Pennsylvania to Ohio and and uh, we'll, I'm going to stop at every amusement park and ride every roller coaster I can in seven days. And I said, well, that sounds like fun. I said, you know, we can, you don't want to take my car. You want to take it. And he goes, no, we're going to take my mom's Pinto station wagon, the one without air conditioning or a radio. So he hot wired a eight track player in there. 
he loved heavy metal. I liked John Denver and George Carlin. So we had these eight tracks we were popping in and out and trading off all the time. So we took the trip together and we were in Ohio and we were at Cedar Point and we were going to Kings Island because we were going to go ride the Beast. And it was in 79 and the Beast had just opened that summer. And I had a pretty good relationship with Charlie Din, who was one of the builders of the Beast. And he was also worked for Kings Island. So I told him that we were coming and he's like, well, yeah, come on down there. Well, you can move on. Happen to have your you go ride a coast if you want. And he spoke just like that, right? Yeah. He talked just like that. And he hated when I impersonated him. <laughs> but I told him it was a form of flattery. So anyways, Mike and I are driving. It's, we left Cedar Point. We're going down this highway and we're starting to argue back and forth. What, track is going to go on next my john denver tape or his acdc tape or you know whatever it was and we're back and forth we're just bickering like two like a little married couple <laughs> and old married couple <laughs> i said well i'm hungry he said well, me too so we stopped it off the road we pulled into this fast food restaurant and honestly god i talk about this and i've told mike and he goes I remember some of that, but I just don't remember it happened this way. I said, well, this is what happened. And it's still one of the funniest things that, that have ever happened to me in music, and it's part of music industry. We, we pull off the highway. We go into this fast food train. We're bickering back and forth. We're standing at the counter, and we're just like I, 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 snipping at each other about something. Yeah, well, you don't like it. You can get out and walk your ass away home. Or, and I, well, you tell you what, pull over to the next airport, and I'm going home, and you'll be on your own in that firebomb of your mother's. And so the girl behind the counter is just like a parrot looking at us back and snipping at each other. And this lasted for a whole 30 seconds. And finally, you know, we, I, we had no idea where we were, and I just looked at the girl. And I said, can you tell me where we are? And with a straight face, she just looked at the two of us, leaned forward, and said, Burger King. <laughs> And the two of us busted up laughing because we didn't know what town we were in. <laughs> Turned out we were in Lima, Ohio. Then wow. we sat there sat there and ate our dinner giggling the whole time. And every time we looked at each other, we'd hold something up and go, Burger King. <laughs> and then we get in the car and we started laughing about it in the car. And then we went on the rest of the trip. We were fine. Mike's also a legend in the amusement industry. And, his designs of roller coasters, but uh, he had worked for PTC and worked for me the first 18 months he was at PTC. So it was fun. And he's not the only one who has gone on to other things since working with PTC, right? There are a lot of people that when I started here, they were, some of them were passed away. Uh, I learned a lot of things from them, things that came in handy later on in life where no, that's not what how the company did it. I can and let me show you how we did that, and I can pull out old blueprints. And I got all the way back to 1905 and blueprints, and we have them all scanned. We have probably six thousand blueprints, and that's one of the fun things that happened to me very early in my career working at PTC. Other stuff that's happened is pretty funny. I mean, between Andy Quinn and Dick Knoble. Uh, Andy Quinn, one of the uh, guys from Kennywood Park, gotten along famously with him. Dick Canole, oh yeah, there's there's a lot of funny stuff with Dick Canole. 
I think everyone at some point when you interact with Dick or you get to meet him, you get a Dick Knoble story eventually. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. And you got to know how to take him. He's a very funny, dry-witted guy. I have a lot of customers, theme parks, but the mom-and-pop parks like the Knobles and Lake Winnipesaukee or uh, Waldemere up in here, you know, Holiday World, all those kind of parks, it's all family-owned. And when you go to those parks, you see and you hear things, and it, it, it's just hysterical. There is a different Not vibe. The, you can feel yeah. it between that and, let's say, a corporate park. There is definitely a different vibe there. Yeah, yeah. And, and things happen. I don't think that uh, if I was riding with a bunch of theme park executives in a car, that, and I would say, what the heck's going on with your dad as we're coming through the parking lot? And then we would stop and jump out and run over and get into a fist fight with a couple of patrons. <laughs> so that happened to me and Nick Claragakis from uh, what is now Mount Olympus. But back then it was Big Chief Carton Coasters. And we had done the first coaster there. And Nick and I were just coming back from dinner and, and we're talking about things. And I said, what's going on with your, with your dad? Look at your, Jimmy's there. And there was two guys swaying at him and he's standing there, you know, trying to fight him and there's two girls standing there screaming at these two guys and Nick jumps out of the truck. I mean, he threw that thing in park so fast that when I went forward, the seatbelt actually locked me in for a second and I had to wait for it to retract. Then I jumped out. By that time, Nick had got there and he threw a body block on the one guy that had a hold of his dad, took him down. I came up and took the other one out and we just kind of got into a little bit of a fist fight and rolled around in the parking lot. And, and I'm holding Nick's dad back, trying to keep him from getting involved in this because he was a lot smaller than I was. And these guys were my size. And so Nick and I were handling it. And then they left. And I said, I don't think we're going to hear the end of this. And sure enough, the sheriff's department showed up about 20 minutes later. And of course, having my retired police ID with me, I was able to, talk to them in a very calm and rational manner and explain what <laughs> happened. And uh, they said, all right, we're just going to walk away from this one. They didn't want to be, so they did nothing. But, but to this day, Nick will bring it up. I happened. We were standing here and, and he starts talking. He goes, you know, that day you, you nailed that guy and I hit that guy. My dad had a whole new view of you. He, and I he was right. You know, so you do things goofy like that. And I know, you know, the, upper management of a lot of theme park people that they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily make it into the, the, the archives that you have set up there, but it's still something that's certainly worth passing along. So you actually touched on that a little bit earlier though, because PTC is so historic, you actually do have a complete archive to make sure that everything's preserved. We have an archives that, I mean, you came and saw it. Yes, it did touched on a little couple of things and I think we were able to find them and then everywhere from you writing an article or somebody writing an article or doing research on a book all the way up to Dr. Larry Bird, not the basketball player, but Dr. Larry Bird who works for the Smithsonian Institute. He was in Philadelphia talking with doing some research on these old, figurines that would stand in the windows at Gimbel's and Macy's. And they're just these little animatronic things that work because 
motors underneath that would move them. They look like little elves in a workshop for Santa Claus and Wizard of Oz kind of stuff. And he was doing research on it because they were going to do a big display about it. And I had worked with the Atwater Kent Museum in Philadelphia uh, when they were doing some research on carousels. And their curator came to my shop for, uh, office for the day just to look over what we had. And then she ended up coming back three more days that week because she was finding things that she didn't expect to find photographs and documentation on carousels. She told him, Oh, you might want to talk to this guy up at Philadelphia Toboggan. They, they, he might have some information. And sure enough, I had photographs, I had little blueprints of all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we copy it up and, you know, then they wanted to buy it. I'm like, no, that's part of the company history. Uh, we'll copy it up and, you know, you can have it. So they used uh, a lot of the photographs that we did, you know, and they're displayed down at the Smithsonian Institute. So that's the realm we go from. Is this, for somebody at ACE is just doing an article, they need a quick research to right up to the Smithsonian Institute. One fellow that sticks out in my mind, Thaddeus Cooper and his wife, Kevin, uh, they're a real nice couple. And I just met Kevin the other day on one of these Zoom video chats. Thaddeus was doing research for Ski Ball, writing a book on it. Talked to some, he was talking to people in Jersey and he was coming for a visit to do some more interviews. And Toboggan's name kept popping up in his searches about Ski Ball. So he called me and he said, I understand that you used to own it. And I was like, well, it used to be owned by my old boss, but yeah, Toboggan used to own it. He said, well, do you, you have anything? I said, I, you got to come here and look, man. So when he came to Jersey, he came over here for just expecting to spend a day here. And before he goes back to San Francisco, he ended up staying five days and then coming back two more times after that because the things that we had in our archives, he was looking for and as it ended up that's probably one of the first times in, in my life and the only time that i've ever actually seen the guy call his publisher and say stop the presses because i think i'm going to be adding another chapter which he ended up adding two more chapters oh wow what he found in our archives and the odds are considering that you said the archive goes back to 1905 you've got pretty much almost the entire story of the amusement industry up in that climate control room. It really is incredible to think what the industry would be had it not been for PTC. It certainly wouldn't be what it is today, that's for sure. Toboggan was involved in being a founding member of the Pennsylvania Amusement Parks Association, which is still vile. And, you know, we're in part of that. We're, uh, we're members of the New England Amusement, New Jersey Association. And when IAPA started uh, just over 100 years ago, you know, we were the uh, first one of the first ones to sign up for their you know, show, which they held up in Chicago. It wasn't called the IAPA back then, but it was held at the hotel in Chicago and it was in the lobby. And, you know, everybody brought their wares and hung things up, drapes behind them and hung, you know, photographs, of artists renditions of things that they build. And we've got those photographs. And. We have pictures of the banquets that they used to have. And there's these guys all in suit and ties. And there's hundreds of people in this big ballroom. And there's people in suits and ties. And the women are, as they used to put it, dressed in the nines. 
And the guys are wearing these goofy paper hats that you see like a paper boy used to make for himself. And they got little tassels hanging off it. And it's hysterical to look at some of these old photographs. But uh, yeah, we've got them all. So for those who maybe aren't really into the industry or maybe just getting into it, what makes a PTC train unique? You really don't have to look hard. Yes, it still has the same body style and the same look that it had when I started, you know, 40 some years ago. And, and even back past that, it still has a similar look to it. The changes that are done to it are all done for safety reasons. And, you know, we can, we can make it look different, but it, you know, it's still going to be a PTC. We've changed it from, you know, original cars were four seaters, which held eight people per car. Then it three seaters, which held six people. Now we have two seaters with four people. And then we just opened up and very proud to say we just received an, another patent on a single seat roller coaster. The single seat holds two people in, in, a, in a car. So the body style kind of looks the same. And some people squawked it. Well, you know, why don't you make it look different? Make it look more futuristic. Well, we did that. We've got photos of that in our archives of they look like big Zephyr trains or uh, they had front ends on the front. Yeah, we've done stuff like that. But the main thing about our cars is we do everything in-house. We manufacture the cars. We build them in-house. I build them. I still get involved with it, with building. I just don't sit here to desk shuffling papers every day. I do go out in the shop and check things over, and my, uh, my insurance companies probably wouldn't like to hear that I'm wandering around the building because they tell me I'm too important to be outside in the shop here, which I think is a bunch of hokey. But, but Tom, tell me how you really feel about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not one to be too PC with things. So It's built in-house. It's built by hand. It's, it's not built by somebody else, and then you put your tag on it, uh, we do everything here, paint shop, wood shop, metal shop, assembly shop, steel cutting shop, aluminum shop, you know, and wood shops here. And then we have good people that, that do it. And people ask me, you know, well, how do you find your people? Well, that's the hard part is finding the right people that, to do this work and to know that they're going to do a good job. And you sort through and you can tell within 30 days of this guy's just here for a paycheck or, you know, he, he's really looking to wants to work at something because if I could see the spark of enthusiasm that I had when I came to work here, because I wanted to put something together. I just didn't want to, you know, sit and clean tile and pack tile and carry tile. And then 40 years later say, that's what I did for 40 years. If I see in somebody that they have real interest and they're here and their supervisor sees it, the general manager sees it, the guy is just gung-ho about it, I like that. Because it, it's silly, it might sound cliche, but I see something going on with them to me, with me. You understand what I'm saying? No, absolutely. You can tell the passion follows the company. And when you have that passion, you get better work and you get better craftsmanship. And so just sort of wrapping up here, 
we're going through an interesting time right now in, in the industry and, and obviously in the world. Fans may not have the means to purchase a brand new PTC train that might be out of their abilities, but how can fans help out Philadelphia Toboggan in terms of supporting them, in terms of getting the word out about them? I think they do it and have been doing it for years and long past Sam. It's just that maybe I recognize that, hey, not everybody's going to like us. That's why we have chocolate and vanilla and sometimes strawberry. Everybody's not the same. Everybody, they don't like us. They don't like us. Uh, Dana Morgan. Some people love the Morgan trains. When we bought Morgan out, Dana told me, he gave him a file cabinet. And he said, here, you can have the, everything that's in this filing cabinet. I said, what's that? And I'm thinking it's documents. And he said, it's hate mail <laughs> from coaster enthusiasts that hate my product. And I, he says, I even have a letter in here that says, it's my life ambition to put you out of business. Oh, my goodness. So that shows you how some people get a little too serious about something. But, but there's other people that don't like it. I remember reading an article that said, thank God for PTC trains or something along those lines. And you, you read the article and all it just bashes other people's trains and says, you know, we have a choice. Thank God we have PTCs to choose from. And I was like, wow, that's really nice, you know. So, yeah, I mean, they've been promoting us. They they, they seem to like us. Um, nobody throws vegetables after I get done talking at you know, toaster cons and stuff. So, If someone's interested in learning a bit more about Philadelphia Toboggan, where can they find you online? Well, they can find us under Philadelphia Toboggan Company, Inc., or Coasters, Inc., and then we can find us under Philadelphia Toboggan. It's still attached to us. We're on Facebook we have a website, philadelphiatobogginkosterzinc.com, she says. Well, Tom, it has been an absolute honor and privilege to be able to speak with you. It's always enjoyable, but boy, to be able to share some of these stories with all of our fellow ACE members, it's really a treat. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, you're quite welcome. It's very nice of you to ask me to do this. I'm more than happy to platter on about anything and everything. Uh, and you know you're always welcome here and, and looking forward to doing some other stuff with you and we'll get through this uh, crazy pandemic thing. I get one thing I got to say about this pandemic. My stepdad is going to be 94 this year. Sharp as a tack. Probably a lot smarter than, you know, things, things I've, or things he forgotten. I don't, I'll never know, but, but he's sharp as a tack. And we were talking and, and he's in lockdown right now in, in his retirement community. No one's in, no one out. I call him, we chat for a while, just catch up with Snoop. And I asked him, I said, I said, Bryce, I said, in your lifetime, have you ever seen something as crazy as this? And he said, well, we're fighting a different kind of enemy with this. When I was in the army in World War II, we knew who the enemy was and we knew what they looked like. And then he looks at me, he goes, we can't see our enemy now. We just got to prepare ourselves for it. And it's very succinct, and we're going to get through this. Everybody, you know, all the promotion they're doing for it, you know, we can get together this alone. We'll make it. And I'm sure everybody out there that's listening, and I'm hoping it is more than just ACE members, but yeah, we'll get through all this stuff. Yeah, like I said, the, the pleasure is all on this side of the screen. 
if you could see this side of the screen. Thanks again, Tom. You're quite welcome, Chris. Oh, man. I was really hoping to find out what his favorite flavor of Dippin' Dots was. Hell, we'll be definitely put that in on the uh, next episode for sure. And by the way, <laughs> while it's not in the bonus content, there is a ton of stuff that we had to cut just for time in Tom's interview. So if you're an Ace member, log on to your membership account and you'll be able to access that bonus content exclusively for Ace members. And if you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? You can find out how to be one on aceonline.org. Yes, join the fun, join the team. Uh, we're more than happy to have you a part of our Coaster family. And uh, that wraps up the podcast. I want to thank everybody who is a, a part of the producing team, Elizabeth Ringus, uh, Andrew, for uh, helping us put together the Coaster family segment. And, uh, yeah, this was a great show. Absolutely. Make sure to give us a like, send us a comment, or just give us a rating on your favorite streaming service. We want to hear from you because this podcast, it's for you, the members. Yep, and you can also reach us at uh, that email address, podcast at aceonline.org. Until next time, we'll talk to you at CoasterCon. Bye. Ride With Us is volunteer produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts. ACE is a registered 501c3 charitable organization founded for the preservation and enjoyment of roller coasters around the world. Visit aceonline.org for more information.